This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Genesis chapter eight, verse 20, Genesis chapter eight, verse 20, it says, then Noah, he's already left the ark. You need to know that. It's come to a stop. All the animals off the ark. Noah and his family have left the ark. That's a, that's critical information to understand that. It says, now Noah built an altar to the Lord. Noah built an altar to the Lord. Now, it, it, is in, it, it is a New Testament and an Old Testament idea. It is an important idea. The altar is the place of sacrifice. The altar is the place of giving of oneself as an act of worship. It is that everywhere in scripture. It is the understanding self-sacrifice is a part of a relationship. And the truth is that's true in every relationship in life. If you're going to have a meaningful, deep, abiding relationship, there has to be some self-sacrifice. There has to be some willingness to be open and honest. There has to be some willingness to be truthful with each other. There has to be some willingness to, to give of yourself for the other's best interest. There has to be some willingness to, to look at each other and see each other's needs and try to meet those needs. That is ultimately what a covenant relationship is about, but it's of what ultimately every relationship is about. If you have a person that you never really do anything for them, you're never really willing to step out of your comfort zone at all with them, you've not really ever had the opportunity to do anything of value for their life, that person is not a person you have a relationship with. That person is an acquaintance, okay? That's a person that you know of, but you really don't know anything about. And the reason I say you don't know anything really about that person is because without intimacy, without sacrifice, without the giving of oneself to someone else, there is no real way to know someone because the walls come down, the the barriers that we put up to the world to protect ourselves and our hearts from pain and from disappointment, which is natural in life because there's a lot of pain and disappointment. And so our natural thing to do is to put up a barrier to keep that pain and disappointment from overwhelming and destroying us. So we have natural barriers that we put up. Those barriers, even in the way we conversate when we first meet somebody, we say to them, how are you doing? Well, I'm doing fine. What does fine mean? I used to know that when my daughter Becca came into the house from school, if she was doing fine, then that was a pretty good day. If she was doing good, then that was an excellent, outstanding day. And I needed to ask her what had happened that day so she could tell me all the good stuff that was going on. And if she said that uh, her day was all right, that means it was a terrible day. And I needed to find out what was going on there so I could help her. So fine uh, really meant absolutely nothing. Fine really actually was much like the Heisman pose. It was a stiff arm to keep me from digging any deeper into her personal affairs. 
And as I was, as I understood, when somebody says fine to me, what that means is do not ask any more questions about me because I do not want to know you to know any more than what I just told you. And that that is rhetorically how we deal with each other. And I, I may be taking it to an extreme, just using my daughter as an illustration. But the truth is, is that's true all the time. It is. It's true all the time. We Our rhetorical answers reveal that we do not want to open up just to anybody. We only open up to those who we understand care about us. And the only way a person ever really understands that you care about them is that you do something out of your way. You go out of your way, meaning you sacrifice yourself in some way for them. As far as Noel was concerned, this was a very important sacrifice for him. And I say that for a reason, because this sacrifice, he took on board the ark several of the clean animals. So you, when, the, when they went aboard the ark, they went two by two of the unclean animals, but of the clean animals and the birds, they went seven. And that was for the purpose of, first of all, for them to be able to eat. And second of all, for them to be able to make this sacrifice once they came off the ark, because it's going to take a while for that population to increase so that there's plenty of food out there in the world. Now, as you look at this, that could happen very quickly because animals in an environment where they're not inhibited by predators and where they're not inhibited by food will multiply very quickly in an area. And I'm sure that's what happened here. But coming off the ark, he is going to make a sacrifice of for him and his family of some of the most precious animals because they had to eat the clean animals. Now, the real question is when I say that, you say, who told them what animals were clean? How are the animals clean and unclean when we don't have the Mosaic law? You have to remember that that as far as the Bible is concerned, Jesus or the Lord God walked with Adam in the cool of the evening. They talked about things. And in the in even in this time and this day, God talked and dealt with people personally. And he told them they, they had an understanding of his plan and his will and his way far beyond what you understand or believe that it might be out there as far as you might think these people were just because we want to make our ancestors a lot less than us. You'll see them as Neanderthals. These people didn't know anything. That's not true. Noah was able to build a giant barge out of gopher wood in a period of just dozens or maybe even up to a hundred years with just a few men. That is a huge project. Uh, the project of just getting the gopher wood to build the ark was a huge project, a project that required a lot of work, a lot of effort, and a lot of ingenuity. And not only that, but but God instructed and showed and dealt with people personally, like he does today. He deals with us personally. He talks with us. He deals with us individually in our own lives. And they knew what the clean animals were. Now, as sin enters the world and sin per permeates more and more of everything that goes on to include the structures of humanity by the family, by government, by religious institutions, as those things begin to grow, sin doesn't decrease. Those things don't cause sin to decrease. They cause sin to increase. 
They cause sin to be more embedded in everything that goes on in our lives. They cause sin to become more of a problem in everything that goes on in our lives. And so we get farther and farther away from God because it becomes harder and harder to actually see where God is outside of his word. And they knew what the clean animals were. Cain knew what the sacrifice God required was. All these questions that come up in scripture about how did Cain, why did God reject Cain's sacrifice? Because God had told them what to sacrifice. Noah knew what to sacrifice. Noah knew what animals were clean and what animals were unclean. And so it was important that Noah sacrifice, that Noah give unto God what God required. And it's important for you to understand the nature and the character of God so that when you are dealing with God, you are doing the things which God has asked you to do. A lot of times we want to make our own present for God. We want to make our own sacrifice and we decide. But the truth is that God has his will and his way and his will and his way is always going to lead to your very best, but his will and his way are necessary to be known. It's necessary to you spend time actually knowing what God's will and way is with his life. And the truth is they knew, they knew what God's will and God's way was for their lives. And so he knew which, which animals to sacrifice. It says, and the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. Because remember, personal sacrifice, the giving of oneself out of love is a pleasing aroma. It's a wonderful offering or sacrifice. When you give of yourself, when you give of your best in any relationship, whether it be a relationship with a friend, whether it be a covenant relationship like with your spouse, or whether it be a covenant relationship with God, when you give your best in faith, that is a pleasing sacrifice. And it says, and God, the Lord God smelled that aroma, and he said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake. Meaning, He's not going to, he's not going to a judgment that's generally against his creation. His cre his judgments now are going to be against the actual beings who are causing the problem. His judgment now is going to be against humanity. His judgment now is going to against, be against the fallen angels. His judgment now is going to be against the demonic forces of the world. His judgment is no longer going to be against his own creation, that which he made. His judgment's no longer going to be against how he's done things in the world. His judgment is going to be against those who decide with their lives that they're going to do it their own. And that's important, too, to understand that God said, I'm not going to I'm going to deal with humanity in, in, in personal ways. And I'm going to de deal with humanity in groups of people ways. That's how I'm going to do it. And he said, I'll never curse the ground for man's sake. Although the imaginations of man's heart is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy every living thing as I have done. Notice he says, uh, and this is important, he says, I will never again curse the ground for man's sake, although all the imaginations, not just the thoughts, but all the dreams and everything that is about man and his own will in his heart is evil, and it's evil from childhood, from their youth. And that doesn't mean my cousin Lenny, the youths, when they're 15 or 16, that means from their childhood, their youth, which is when children are very young all the way up to when they go off and become adults on their own. That's not that's not talking about just teenagers. It says that they're all, although the imaginations of man's heart 
is evil from his youth, nor will I again destroy everything living that I have done. Notice he's saying man's heart is naturally evil. It's naturally bent toward rebellion. It's naturally built toward man's own will rather than God's will. And even though that's true, he's saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to curse uh, the earth. I'm not going to curse the ground that uh, God, that God had made. He says, I am going to deal now in my judgments and the way I'm going to deal with, with my creation is not going to be the actual physical creation anymore. Now my judgments are going to be against humanity. Now my judgments are going to be against the fallen angels. Now my judgments are going to be against the demonic. He says, he says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. Notice he has put in the seasons and the times of year. I'm going to tell you that I don't believe there were seasons and times of year back before the flood. I think you could grow crops all year long. I think you could uh, expect for the temperatures to be mainly the same all year long. I think you could, before the flood, I think that everything that had breath roamed all over the earth. And I think the fossil record shows that there are animals that we would not think would ever have roamed uh, into the Arctic that are in the fossil record in the Arctic. And there are animals that we find in the fossil records near the equator that we would never imagine being near the equator. And the reason that is, is because before the flood, the earth was basically a greenhouse where man lived every all over the earth and where the animals roamed all over the earth. Now, after the flood and after the firmament above the earth is destroyed, after the tectonic plates are moved to where they where they exist right now, after that all that happened, the seasons came about. And while the earth remains, there's going to be times and seasons as we see the scripture talk about in in Ecclesiastes. There's going to be times and seasons for everything. There's going to be seed time and harvest. There's going to be cold seasons and hot seasons. There's going to be winter and summer. And, the, and day and night, and there's going to be a continual, a continuation of all those things until the very end. And what he's saying is, I have judged my creation, and now my judgment's not, in, not going to be against creation anymore. It's going to be against humanity, and creation's going to continue to move. It's just going to keep on going. It's going to, it's, it's not, there's not going to be any stop to it. It's not going to be any slow down to it. I have put it in place, and nothing's going to change it. This is important. Nothing's going to change it. Is God going to change it? No. Is he going to allow man to change it? No. Is he going to allow some other force in the universe to change it? No. It's going to remain the same until he decides that it's all over with. And that is, that happens in Revelation chapter 20 and 21. And so when those things happen, it will be over. But until then, it's not going to be over. This is another example in scripture or where God says, I'm in charge of my creation and finite man is not in charge of his creation. Finite man is in charge of what God placed us over originally in the garden, but we didn't do a good job of it. And we were cursed by it. And rather than creation working totally to our benefit, now we walk in the curse of creation because of man's sin. And so man's ability to intimately control the universe and intimately control God's creation has been removed because of the curse of sin. 
And so that's not the case anymore. Adam could handle the very molecular structure of things. Today, that's not true of us anymore. The only way we change things is we change things through faith in the kingdom of God, which exists in us, which was placed there because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And when you understand, you realize that now we do not do it ourselves. We go through the one who made it able or possible for us to actually regain the image or the likeness that we had in the garden. And that is Jesus himself. He is the second Adam. He is the one that made it possible for us to walk again in the newness of life, to have the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the kingdom of God at work around us. And when that's going on around, then there's hope and life. But without that, there's nothing. And, and there is no true power of man anymore. And man does not destroy, man does not destroy God's creation. God's creation exists by the power of his mighty right hand, even to this day and even right now. And as we see this, we see sacrifice, we see relationship, and we understand that God is dealing with humanity after the Noahic covenant or the covenant with Noah, the relationship he had with him. He's going to deal with man and his creation in a different way. Man and his creation are going to be separate, and God is going to deal with man, humanity itself. And he's going to deal with the sin in humanity itself, and he's going to bring about his purpose and his will through that humanity and by his son. And I hope you have enjoyed this. Today was just a teaching time. It's just a time to go through and look at the end of Noah's story and see that God is actively at work showing us that he's moving toward Jesus and he's pointing toward Jesus and everything that's happening, even at the very start of the book of Genesis. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.